Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. All right, welcome everybody to Pure Dog Talks After Dark. This is our special monthly gathering of our patrons group, which is a private Facebook group. And as you all know, this is an amazing community. We have actually a few even new folks here tonight, so I'm really excited. Welcome, everyone. And this is a group where we talk about a lot of things, and very rarely do we share those things into the public realm. But we all thought this was a pretty important topic and that we all had things we wanted to say about it. And we wanted to share that with the larger Pure Dog Talk community as a podcast. So that's what I have for you today. Welcome, everyone. We have about 20 people here joining us on a Zoom call. And our topic this evening is specifically gatekeeping. And we're particularly talking about within our breeds. We're not talking about clubs. We're just keeping it into the conversation about gatekeeping within our breeds as breeders or as buyers and how we feel about this as something that we think of as maybe a necessary evil or something that is possibly driving our breeds to extinction. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. This year, give your buyers the gift of peace of mind with a special go-home day offer from Trupanion. This offer provides puppies with immediate coverage, so they're protected should they get into mischief in their new homes. Trupanion covers pets against unexpected accidents and illnesses with no payout limits, helping ease the financial burden when a pet gets sick or injured. Even better, Trupanion is able to pay the veterinarian directly at the time of checkout, which means less out-of-pocket for your buyers. You can get this special offer for your buyers as part of the Breeder Support Program. It's completely free to join and available for breeders in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Getting started is quick and easy. Just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com to get started. Amanda Kelly and I had a conversation on the podcast about this topic, very specifically about is this driving our breeds to extinction? We recently had a conversation going in the private Facebook group for the patrons on this topic, and people had some pretty strong opinions. And I feel like, I'm not going to say there's no right answer, but I feel like the answer is colorable depending on your breed, your individual willingness to take on a specific amount of risk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I have seen this conversation pop up in various different ways in various different places on Dogbook. There was just literally a post tonight about somebody asking about what their stud dog contract should be. And as the stud dog owner, should they get to approve the breeder's show homes out of their stud dog? And boy, that hit me sideways. So that's what we're talking about. And let's have some opinions. I know I've got two people here with really strong opinions, and we're going to start with them. 
Cindy Hanbein, you started this conversation within the group. So can I ask you to kind of pitch this out, feel out how you feel about this, what you think about it, what's your sense of it? Oh, well, hey, the situation that I posted on Facebook, if you guys didn't see that, I have a young lady, and I'm not going to say what breed she's with because she's one of three lately, and they're all three different breeds, that they're younger people. Mm -hmm. I'm in my 60s, so younger is kind of perspective. Yeah, subjective, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's subjective. It's subjective because I think all of these people are between 30 and 40. So when I say younger, that's where I am. So three people that have been talking to me in the last few months, they found a breed. Well, two of them finally got into purebred dogs. They've always had rescue. Got interested. I don't know what changed without going into everybody's story. Got their first purebred dog or their first, I'm interested in taking a deep dive with my purebred dog. They got their purebred dog and they get started with barn hunt. And the one young lady, she says, where can I get handling classes? Because I think I want to try this. I went to a dog show and it looks fun. I want to do that. So I sent her to a local gal that I really, really like that I think will help her with a lot of different training. And so she starts training. And the first thing she finds out, and she didn't know this, is she paid $4,000 for a dog and she's got a limited registration. Mm. And she's just blown away. This is a person Mm -hmm. coming from Retail Rescue. Mm -hmm. And she dove in. She's young. She's ambitious. She is doing all the things. She's going to training. She's doing all the things. And the puppy that I've seen, I'm looking at it going, well, it's nine months old. So it's really hard to tell for me Mm -hmm. where it's going to go. You know, I'm trying to be helpful and open and whatnot, these things. And I don't know who she had help her, if she did have anybody help her. She sent stacked photos back to the breeder who talked to somebody who's very controlling with her breeding program. I'm just going to say that. I know that she's the anchor breeder. She's the one that controls everything this other breeder does. And this person, she was very polite and said, you would just be so disappointed because you just went with that dog. And I'm looking at this dog going, uh, yeah, I don't see a bad bite. I don't see a bad structure. I don't know what it is other than the fact that she's completely novice. But they completely shut her down and said, no way. We're not going to take the limited off the registration. And I thought, gosh, this is like, it's a decent dog. I don't know if it's great. Like I said, not my forte. Training wheels. She can't do anything. I sent her to UKC and Ibeka. Mm-hmm. and barn hunt and things like that, you know. So Cindy, the basic concept is you have, so the position is we have a lot of problems with new people coming to dogs and you have a new person who's excited to do it. And the gatekeeping is, in your opinion, keeping that person from doing the thing. Three people in the last five months are in this same situation. Okay. Different so I'm just kind of like trying to put it in a bucket and call it a thing. I think it's really important that we just define the conversation. And I think that's a really, really valid and important conversation to have. And a position that I'm really hard pressed not to support like a thousand percent. But, you know, I think the conversation is let's have different opinions and why, right? So your position is we have these young people, we need young people, let's get them involved. Why is someone gatekeeping, if you will, this breed from these But people. on the other hand, yeah. one of the other side breeders from this bunch, I was watching another Facebook chat, two different breeders sold puppies 
to a person <laughs> on a limited registration and both of them, and I think both of these people are a little more savvy and they were like, no, no, pet quality only to somebody who should know better, not a brand new person, to somebody who should know better. Neither one of them were talking to each other because they belong to different social groups. Well, this woman was able to, mm -hmm. because she knows mm -hmm. there's this discord between the breeders, she went to two different breeders and bought puppies on limited registration, is now on her third litter, and everybody is in an uproar in that breed. Okay, so someone is actually breeding dogs on a limited on and selling them pets. Yeah. Okay, so there's your flip side, people. <laughs> there's your flip side, for real. Karen Cowdery, are you here? I'm here. Okay, great. In our original conversation in the group, you had some pretty strong feelings. Again, I'm not sure that I 1000% back what you're saying, but I want you to offer that kind of flip side, if you would, please. Yep. So in a nutshell, as a longtime person in my breed who waited 17 years to even breed my first litter, because I believe strongly in knowing your breed inside and out, I am not against selling a dog to someone if they indicate they have an interest. But I have many conversations before I sell that dog, many hours of conversations. And if you come to me and you do not want to show a dog, you're not going to get sold a show dog. It's going to go on limited registration. I don't make you physically spay or neuter because I do believe in the health aspects of having your intact parts. And if I can't trust you enough to manage the dog responsibly. I'm not going to sell a dog to you, but I do not want my only okay mediocre dogs in the confirmation ring. That is not my goal. I don't care how many champions I do or don't finish as a kennel. What I care about is that what represents my kennel be of, in my opinion, sufficient quality. I would be proud to have kept it. I would be proud to walk into the ring with it. And honestly, if I deem it show ring worthy, to me, then it's breeding quality, and I keep my name on that dog until at least certain amount of criteria are met by that person if they're a new person. If you're a long-time person in the breed and have a good history, and I know a lot about you, I'll sell you a dog outright. No strings attached. You breed it how you want it, and I have no say. With the exception, there are two people in my breed. I put it in my contract that my dogs can never be used with theirs for specific reasons that they have gone on supplied dogs to, we'll call them mass producers, people that are just breeding the breed. I have a breed that's not generally a first-time owner's breed. They're not the easiest breed in the world to live with as a rule. So most people that come to me know in advance enough about dogs to have a feel for what they do and don't want to do. If I have someone who has changed their mind and come to me and say, you know, I, I know I've got this dog on limited registration. I can't get another dog for five more years. I'm really interested in showing. I work with them. I give them one of my dogs to show. Or I find someone in their area that's got the breed that will work with them to show. That way, by the time they're ready for a show dog of their own, they have experience. They're ready to roll. And they stick with it. They have the support. They have the quality of dog that they can do the winning. And then potentially... A dog that, if it passes all of its health, et cetera, can go on and be bred if that's their option. So okay. I do believe that we need to have an amount of gatekeeping. Okay. So gatekeeping on this side, too much shutting down the sport. Gatekeeping on this side, important and necessary to preserve our 
pedigrees, our lines, our breeds, or what have you. Our quality. Quality, right, 100%, all those things. I'm going to throw into this my, if you will, sort of middle ground commentary, and then I'm going to reach out to some other people. From personal experience, I had a litter of 12 puppies, and in the litter of 12 puppies, puppy number nine went on a limited registration. Puppy number nine, when I sold her at eight weeks. Now, keep in mind, you guys, and this, I think, is really an important thing to consider on both of these perspectives on both sides of this. We sell these dogs at eight weeks. I mean, we think we're God, but we ain't God. I mean, it can turn out to be better than we think or worse than we think. All right. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. So I sold this puppy at eight weeks and I said at eight weeks, "Eh, I don't think it's going to have enough hair. I'm going to sell this on a limited registration. I don't use limited registration much, but slicks, right, in wire-haired pointers, a short-coated dog that could pass for a short-haired pointer is not something I want to have bred. And so I placed this dog on a limited registration. The guy was very anxious. He was really interested in, you know, doing a breeding for himself down the road. I said, okay, talk to me when the bitch is two years old. We'll talk about it then. Long story short, he comes back to me at two years old, shows me the dog, and I'm like, okay, she has enough hair to be shown. I said, I still haven't lifted the limited registration. I say, go get her health clearances done. He does. Does all of the entire chick testing for our breed. And does the bitch come back OFA excellent? (laughs) Yes, she does. Yes, she does. I'm like, for Pete's sake. Okay. (laughs) All right, great. Lifts the limited registration. Here's my handler friend, Hannah Vernick. She will take this dog and she'll finish it for you if she can. And let's see how that goes. So my number nine puppy in my litter of 12 finished her championship in three weekends. Okay. I did not consider her to be spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. I would not have kept her and shown her. But my number nine puppy was clearly better than the competition's numbers one through three. Because that's what she beat three weekends in a row to finish her championship. So let's just be a little bit real. Why am I going to say, just because I don't want to take it and carry it on, am I going to say that nobody else can? That it can't be a starter dog for somebody else? Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. Did you know that you can earn money for your National Parent Breed Club through the Purina Parent Club Partnership Program? Honestly, this is just an amazing program that's raised more than $8 million for canine health research, judges' education, and rescue since it began in 2002. It's easy to participate. Members of Purina Pro Club sign up by designating their National Parent Breed Club through their Pro Club account or at any Purina-sponsored event. When members submit receipts for qualifying Purina pet foods, Purina matches 10% for every dollar earned in Purina points. Half of that goes directly to the parent club and half to the AKC Canine Health Foundation to be used for breed-specific health research. Clubs have used their funding to support scholarships, youth programs, and breed rescue. PPCP is a win-win program that truly benefits dogs everywhere and those who love them. 
If you want to learn more, visit PurinaProClub.com backslash about backslash partnerships. I'm telling you, this is my very favorite program. I love this. And I want you guys to check it out too. There's my two cents worth. So now in our conversation, we've had Cindy on one side, we've had Karen on the other side, we've had Laura kind of in the middle. I would like to hear from anyone else who would like to share on this. A thought, an opinion, a position, an idea, a mitigating factor. Sandy. I'm very big on education. And I can give an example, and I will not name the person nor the breed, but there's a person who went in the dog world and was looking for a breeding pair. And this was 30 years ago in the 90s, emailing everybody, I'm looking for a breeding pair. I'm looking for a breeding pair. And we all know that's an instant red flag. Right. And this right. My eyebrows got, went right up. <laughs> yep. This person got put on everybody's do not sell list. Mm-hmm. Someone in the breed she was interested in, decided to take this person out to lunch and have a conversation. By the end of the conversation at lunch, she sold that person a bitch on a co-own contract. This person put all the work into it, all the research, drove everywhere every weekend, did everything right, and 30 years later is a well-known dog person. Let's just say that. Somebody took their time to pull them aside because they didn't know. They thought that what you do is you get a breeding pair. They had no idea. I am going to put an enormous exclamation point and check mark next to Sandy's comment. As breeders, I think truly and honestly, what we need to get our heads around is that we can get a little sideways and a little bit wrapped up in the PETA language, right? AR language. And we can not do as good a job as what Sandy was talking about in terms of education if we drop that ball. But truly and honestly, when someone buys a dog from us, I don't care how many co-ownerships and how much paper they sign. That's their dog. In their mind, in their mind, that's their dog. And I know I... I can go back to a million years, a little girl that worked for me. And when I lived in Nebraska that wanted a Papillon and got the most god-awful ugly Papillon the world has ever seen from a puppy mill because she went to a really amazing Papillon breeder that lived like five miles from her. And the Papillon breeder had a co-own contract and didn't bother to explain it to the family. And so they went to a disastrous puppy mill situation And when I met the girl later and explained to them what that entailed, like, oh, well, why didn't anybody say that? Yeah, I think age and situation are things that are reasonable to discriminate against at a certain point. Like, I understand why no one wanted to sell a 24-year-old me, an Anatolian Shepherd dog, but at the same time, (laughs) I got there eventually, and I would have been so much further ahead by now if they had just, like given me a damn dog. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) But that's to say like, so I have made it basically my mission in life to make sure that people who need the dogs can get them and people who don't need the dogs get talked out of them. Right. That's back to that education piece, right, Natalie? I think that's a super important piece. Yeah. And I make it my goal. Like I think Mm -hmm. most breeders do. Like if I can talk you out of it, 
then you didn't want one really that bad to begin with. And we're saving each other a lot of time and effort. I turn down more people for wire hairs than I give them. I just, that's like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, no. sorry. Yeah. Sorry, and if I, if I can't talk out of it and you're serious, I mean, I'll work with people. So if they want to show or they want to like potentially breed and they want full registration up front, I stay on the papers because that's how I got a phone call two weeks ago right. that one of my one-year-old puppies had a litter of puppies otherwise you don't well, get that phone call <laughs> right you don't know what's happening I think that you know however we do those control pieces is important I've been doing this for a very long time and in all of the time I've had once that somebody like completely buffaloed me and they did and you know my bad and so instead of freaking out and screaming hysterically, which is what I actually wanted to do. I helped the guy and I helped him and I did the stuff and I talked him through it. And eventually when he told me that he wanted to, I said, you know, this one puppy, I'll buy this one from you. If you can't find a home for it, that's fine. It looks like mine. No, I'm going to keep it. Okay, good. No, no, I'm going to donate it to the Pheasants Forever auction. Oh God. (laughs) The Bleepity 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 bleep can't say it on TV. Hell you are. Yeah, no. And so I wound up spending an obscene amount of money to purchase back the backyard bread puppy out of the bitch that I had placed. And that is my mitigation because I am willing to take a chance on people. And so if I'm willing to take that chance, I have to then put my literal dollars my money where my mouth is and as it turns out that dog has a lot of potential it looks like it's a hell of a field dog so merry christmas but i think that if you're gonna err on the side of more generosity than less then your job is to step up the damage control yeah Mm -hmm. 100 100 percent. yeah so to start I'm young. I'm very new. I'm seven years into the breed. I consider that new. Welcome. Thank you. Despite being very new, I jumped in absolutely headfirst from year one. So I kind of wanted to share some of my different experiences getting dogs from breeders because I felt like every situation, even though it was different, I felt totally fine with. I felt like it was fair and they were all different. My first dog that I purchased in this breed I'm in a top five breed. Okay. Very popular. If I hadn't gotten this dog from this breeder, I would have gotten it from somebody worse. (laughs) I signed a pretty detailed contract. He came to me on limited registration. I did not think I wanted to do any breeding or showing or anything until the dog was a year and a half. And then I decided I wanted to get into this more seriously. I contacted my breeder and asked what I needed to do to get full registration and to start showing this dog. And she told me that I needed to get X titles before I could have his registration lifted to a full registration. And six months later, I had done so. She also required that either I pay a $1,000 fee or allow her to collect my dog for her program to get the full registration. I ended up letting her collect him. She paid for the collection she now has his semen banked. She can use that semen at any time with any dog that she wants. Which is, I have to tell you, actually pretty normal. And I, as a breeder, thank you for the opportunity. Because 
keeping boy dogs can be really hard. Yes. And when we find people who are willing to keep a boy dog and keep it intact and let us have the swimmers, like Merry Christmas. And he is actually one of the most titled dogs she's ever produced. Just because I'm crazy and she didn't know that at the time, but it worked out for her. He's done seven or eight different sports. He's a champion, yada, yada, yada. And she has his team. And now, and when I was new, you know, when I was in a pet person mindset, I thought that was really weird. I didn't understand why I would be charged more money to get full registration on a dog I'd already spent a large sum on. But as I've, Mm -hmm. you know, learned things, I've realized that she didn't want the money. She wanted the semen and the money was just the way to get it. (laughs) And I totally think that was valid. So that being said, my second dog I purchased from a breeder. It was a female this time. I knew I wanted to breed. I talked with her Mm -hmm. quite a bit before she trusted me with this dog. And she went on a co-ownership until the first litter. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was going to give her two puppies back. She gave me a discount on the dog's price. The dog already came with mm-hmm. quite a bit of training, full registration, full nine yards. I spent roughly, if you include the prices of the puppies that this person got back, it was roughly a $12,000 dog for upfront. I know that sounds kind of insane, but it was worth literally every penny. I would have paid mm-hmm. it five times over to get this dog because it was such an amazing opportunity for me. She produced so well for me. She pretty much started my program. And at the time, I felt the price was steep, but the quality was worth it. And now looking back, I would do it five times over. I would have paid $60,000 for this dog, right? Wow. The third dog I got, I was starting to be known a little more in my breed. People knew that I wasn't just a random person. I had titled my dogs. I'm not a rando. Yes, not a rando. (laughs) Finally, not a rando status. (laughs) The third dog I purchased for my breeding program came to me with no contract. It was a handshake agreement. The agreement was very simple. Just do right by the dog. I did right by the dog. And my fourth dog also came to me with no contract ever since then. And I've bought, I don't know, 12 dogs since then. Every single one of them has been with no contract because anyone who wants to know can go look at my dogs and see that they are all titled front and back. They are all chick certified. They have all received health award of merits from my breed club. I am extremely involved in the dogs and my community. I stand behind everything I produce. So now as a breeder, the approach that I have is kind of a blend of all of the above. I typically work with people who are new. I am extremely passionate about sharing the knowledge that I have because I'm so grateful to the people that shared their knowledge with me. So I am very, very often taking someone new under my wing and providing them with their first or their second prospect. And with that in mind, my policy currently, and this is obviously open to evolving, I'm pretty new myself. We all evolve, honey. We all evolve, right? I hope I do. I hope I'm not at the same spot in the next seven years, right? <laughs> so my current policy is that everything except show prospects goes on limited registration. If that person were to come back, and this has happened, to come back and say, hey, I'd like to show this dog. I'd like to get more involved. Typically, I will go on a co-ownership until the dog is finished, has been health tested, etc. That has worked out really well for me. If I'm sending a breeding dog home or a show prospect home, I will go on papers sort of in name only. I'm also very clear to them that it is their dog. And I am pretty much only on there to prevent the dog from being bred in a way I don't feel is appropriate. I have, I think, 20 some co-ownerships at this point. 
Some of them are in name only. Oh some of them are more involved. And I'm happy to say that they are all going very well because I believe I put in so much time. You might win a gold star. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just before this call, I spent two hours on the phone with someone who's going to get a puppy from me in a year. You know, that's very normal for me. That's very typical. Yep. I spend a lot of time educating. I spend a lot of time talking to people. I'm always meeting people at shows. I'm always dragging people kicking and screaming into the community, I say. And I think it's worked really well. But thank God for that. Melissa, I mean, seriously, honestly, I look at the people on this call and I think we've all done that. If we don't drag them kicking and screaming in, we won't have a sport. Yes. <laughs> there won't be anything for me to judge. Yes. There won't be any dogs to breed because there won't be any people left. I'm old, man. I have raised my last litter on my own turf, which makes me weepy, but it is a thing. And if there isn't somebody coming up behind me, and I'm blessed, I have people coming behind me. But if there's not, there's nothing, right? So I do think that your blend of education, the entire spectrum of the conversation that we've had here tonight, and again, this has been really, really great conversation. I think it needs to be an ongoing conversation. And I respect all of the opinions here because each one has validity in a particular situation. And I think that's super important to hear and understand. But I think that there is a real balance that we have to look at that balances the needs of our egos. Bob Perry once told me, the handler that I worked for when I was young and baby dog handler, we make our living off other people's egos. So my line, my, 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 that's ego. The decisions that we make about our ego have got to be balanced against the welfare of the sport. Now, is it the welfare of the dog versus the welfare of the sport? I'm going to take the dog every time. Is it the welfare of my ego? Like it's not as pretty a dog as I would like to see seen being shown. I'm over that. So that's me. And I think that more than saying one is right or one is wrong or anything else, I want us all to think about where we stand and why we stand there and how we got there and how we're going to go forward. Thank you, guys. This has been really, really fun. And I really enjoyed the conversation. I really, really appreciate you all joining and bringing us your passion, bringing us your knowledge and bringing us your thoughtfulness. So thanks, everybody. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. <laughs> I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofing. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. 
you'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.